0: I've also seen women who've conceived naturally, sometimes on accident, at 46, 47 years old. And I've seen women in their 30s struggle. Some of it is genetics, but a lot more of it is what your entire lifestyle has been like up to that point. You think your biological clock is ticking, but your biological age is gonna be much younger a year from now than if you were trying to get pregnant in, in the next two to three months. So that you are healthier a year from now than you are in this moment, which gives you a better chance of a better outcome.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast. And today on the show, uh, we're having Dr. Catherine Zagone, and uh, she is a naturopathic doctor specializing in fertility. And uh, we're gonna be talking about all types of things related to hormones, hormone replacement therapy, to uh, fertility, and uh, what you need to do as far as pre-pregnancy planning, what toxins dramatically impact your ability to conceive and why why there is so much hope for you no matter what your age or you know a large age range uh, if you're looking to get pregnant even into your 40s and as well as you know if you've tried to be to conceive for quite some time uh, with their conventional medical doctrine there's a whole other holistic approach that you can take to dramatically improve your chances of conceiving, including detoxification. And now a word from one of our sponsors. So imagine a world where we don't actually fight cancer, we just tell our bodies to stop growing it. Sounds groundbreaking, right? Dr. Dana Flavin, who's a world-renowned cancer specialist for over 40 years, warns, we are swimming in toxins that are in our daily products, our food, water, and air the real danger these toxins signal our body to grow cancer that's why i urge you to join dr Flabin and nathan crean an award-winning health researcher in an eye-opening web class they'll reveal the nine key toxins that could be triggering cancer in your body and most importantly how to eliminate them don't just fight cancer go right to its root cause so join me by going to Conqueringcancer.com slash Wendy Myers, M Y E R S, now to register for this free web class. It's so important. Again, that's conqueringcancer.com slash Wendy Myers. Make the change today.
0: Dr. Catherine, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Wendy. It's such a pleasure.
1: Yeah, so why don't you tell us uh, your website and and how you got into this field focusing on women's uh, fertility?
0: Yeah, so um my website is clockwise.com, clockwise with a z cuz I'm Dr. Z. And um I always like I always knew I was going into natural medicine and um actually thought I was going to be a, a midwife for a little while. Loved birth, loved pregnancy, loved all of that stuff. Um and actually when I was in my undergrad, um witnessed some family members of mine really going through the fertility struggle like 7 years, lots of rounds of IVF, lots of failed rounds. Um and they were in the conventional medical field. And, um, you know, I kept thinking, like, there's, there's got to be a better way. Like, there's got to be something else. Like, why is this happening? I was just super curious. And so going into naturopathic medical school came in with the focus of, like, what, what is fertility all about? Like, what, what does create fertility? And, and can we change those factors? And, um, and sure enough, we can. And that's been a really beautiful journey of um, realizing and and supporting my clients and realizing that fertility is really a byproduct of health.
1: Yes. And a big part of health is detoxification as well. And, you know, just your organic diet, et cetera. And so talk to us about what kind of, talk to us about fertility rates. So, so many people are struggling to conceive. I believe it's one in six or one in five couples that are having difficulty conceiving. Let's just start there. What do those those numbers look like? And do you predict that's gonna get worse in the future?
0: Yeah, so currently it is about one in five to one in six couples um, is struggling to conceive. That doesn't necessarily include, that, and that's more like conventional infertility where they've um, tried for a year or six months depending on their age um, and have not been able to conceive. And there's also this whole group of what we call subfertility. Um, meaning they might not technically be infertile, but there's you know unexplained infertility or subfertility, and they, nobody can kind of figure out why, but they still can't get pregnant. Um, and you know, part of the argument of the conventional world is that women are waiting longer to conceive. And, and that's true. They are. Um, and that's a beautiful thing because that means, you know, we can do our inner work. We can have a career. We're more financially stable, relationship stable, emotionally stable. So there's a lot of good benefits to that. Um, but what's typically thought is that like our biological clock hasn't quite like caught up with that benefit. Um, and, and I don't think that's entirely the case. What I think it actually is and what I've seen in my practice and, and in my research is that It's not that we just are alive more years. It's that we have more years of toxin exposure. We have more years of chronic stress. And these things accelerate ovarian aging, decrease our egg quality, decrease our egg quantity, um, decrease sperm quality, and, and therefore make it harder to conceive, not because we're 40 versus 35, but because we have five more years of toxin exposure, essentially.
1: So what is realistically the latest age do you see women having an ability to conceive? So there's kind of a reality check. The clock is ticking. I mean, I had an, an aunt got pregnant at 47. So we're kind of like fertile myrtles over here in Myers clan. Uh, but what, what for most people, what do they realistically need to be looking at as a cutoff time?
0: It's really individualized. Like, I've also seen women who've conceived naturally, sometimes on accident, at 46, 47 years old. And I've seen women, you know, in their 30s struggle. And so some of it is genetics, but a lot more of it is what your entire lifestyle has been like up up to that point. So, you know, and what I like to use to quantify this is biological age. That's actually the age of your cells. What your DNA is telling us how old you are based on what's called epigenetics or DNA methylation, some fancy science terms. But we know that this is more important for fertility than your chronological age. So biological age, which can be measured through a few drops of blood. Um, and, And there's research on this. So there is a paper showing that women with advanced biological age, meaning that their cellular age came back older than their chronological age, had poorer outcomes, fewer eggs on egg freezing, fewer embryos with IVF, fewer live births through the whole, you know, all aspects of the process. Um, But what was interesting about this, it was even in women who were chronologically younger. So even a 30-year-old woman, if her biological age came back older, then she had poorer, poorer, yeah, fewer eggs, you know, poorer quality embryos or fewer embryos, fewer live births in that cohort. And so... There's not like an age cutoff. We do know statistically that there is a decrease, you know, between 35 and 36 and 36 and 37. And that's actually only a few percentage points. Um, And at 40, there is, you know, each month a lower chance of conceiving that month than maybe when you were 35 or 30 for sure. Um, But it really takes one good egg. And that's the key word is good. Um, and that does come down to a lot to toxin exposure.
1: What toxins are affecting egg quality and then also sperm quality? Let's talk about the women first. So what toxins are impacting ultimately our ability to get pregnant?
0: The short answer is all of them. Um, but to break it down, some of the things that I test for that we can actually test on this at-home finger stick test, um, the three big ones we have tons of research on are the bisphenols. So this is BPA, BPF, BPS. Uh, parabens uh, and phthalates and there's lots of you know lots of different phthalates and there's plenty of research and it's crazy to me how much research i can find in pubmed but no conventional ivf doc is actually testing for any of these things but all of all three of these toxins individually and combined showed poor outcomes with egg quantity embryo uh, quantity and quality because even if you get a lot of embryos doesn't mean they're good Um, And live births, which is that's the whole point is like, can we get a healthy baby at the end of this? Um, And all of these classes of toxins are associated with decreased success for all of those metrics and also have been shown to increase time to conception, meaning you have to try longer by about 30 percent if there's any of those toxins in your system in order to conceive. So it's making it take longer. And then also, if you're going through any of these reproductive technologies, poorer outcomes. Again, nobody is testing for this in the conventional world. Um, we also see heavy metals. And one of those mechanisms is the DNA damage. So again, that's going to be an egg quality issue. If the DNA in the egg is not viable, that egg is not, not going to fertilize or not going to survive if it does get fertilized. DNA damage also an issue in the sperm. Um, so we see heavy metals. We see the, the, those plasticizers. Phthalates are also in fragrances um, and not just perfume, but anything that has the word fragrance on it, even a lot of these like green, clean brands that just say fragrance is like that last ingredient that oftentimes has phthalates in it. Um, Other ones that are like maybe less commonly thought of would be our molds or our mycotoxins. Um, I've had a few couples where that has been the main issue for them. And again, those can cause DNA damage. Those can um, alter hormone signaling, hormone production, hormone metabolism. And so, um, wh- you know, when I'm looking at a case, when I'm looking at this couple, one, I'm looking at both partners because they're each, you know, 50 percent of the equation. And we also think like you know, the, the burden g- tends to get put on the, f- the female more often and it tends to get put on her and her age and her egg quality when a lot of times, you know, it's like a third of the time it's probably more her, a third of the time it's probably more him, and a third of the time it's some combination of both is what's been estimated in the research. Um, and so, you know, we've got that DNA damage, we've got hormone disruption, um, and so literally all of these toxins are impacting our fertility, which is no wonder our fertility rates are dropping, testosterone levels are t- dropping in men. Um you know, truly, like, if we don't switch the trajectory of humanity, like, we're not going to be a- around that much longer. And that's one thing that I've heard, like, Elon must talk about. We're not, we're not worried no
1: longer about population increasing. We're, we're worried about depopulation, uh, because people aren't having enough children, or there's decreasing sperm counts, like dramatically decreased per- sperm counts. So let's, can you talk about those numbers at all? About like what it used to be, you know, uh, you know, about one hundred, you know, fifty, hundred years ago, and but what it is now, and then what it's projected to be.
0: Yeah. Do you mind if I pull up a statistic really quick? Please. I just want to make sure please. I get it right. I'm getting a lot of different numbers as I'm kind of like looking stuff up here. Dropped from one hundred and four to forty-nine million per milliliter over five decades. Have dropped over fifty percent, fifty-nine percent. Let's freak the guys out. Yeah. So, so officially, we know that. In the last 50 years, um, sperm counts have dropped at least 50 percent. And so some numbers are, you know, anywhere from, you know, around 100 million down to about 49, 50 million um, per milliliter, which is significant. You know, so it's it's are we on a linear trajectory? Are we you know what math are we using and and how quickly is this going to go down to zero? Because that's a very scary
1: thing to think about. Yeah, it is. I mean, and that's, you know, 50% reduction in fertility. I mean, it only takes one, you know, but still you're, you're reducing your odds, you know, so the, the fertility issue is not just with, with women and their equality. And so talk to us about what toxins affect the sperm as well and, and what role men can play in dramatically improving their, their chances of conception.
0: Yeah. So like I said, men contribute 50% of the equation and there are we need to make sure that there's healthy hormones. So we need enough testosterone to help um with that sperm development. That's important. We need the right nutrients and keep the toxins out so that we have enough sperm, the right shape, the right motility, meaning how they swim, and that that DNA is good because if that DNA is not good, if that sperm uh, fertilizes that egg, but the DNA is damaged, there's a much higher uh, risk of miscarriage. And this is something that, um, you know, is not often accounted for, you know, if, if a woman's having multiple miscarriages, unfortunately, often the burden is put on her when, in fact, it could be sperm DNA damage that's actually the issue. Um, and we know heavy metals are are a terrible culprit in DNA damage, especially in sperm. Um, and a lot of those endocrine disrupting chemicals like the phthalates, like the, BP, the bisphenols, which disrupt the hormones, which mimic estrogen, which lower testosterone, which then also impact sperm. So we've got the plasticizers, we've got the uh, heavy metals. Mycotoxins can also play a role, pesticides can also play a role and there's a lot of different mechanisms. Um, but but for men, you know, and and these heavy metals and things can also deplete some of these vital minerals that we need to have healthy hormones and to, and to have healthy sperm. So some of these, you know, heavy metals deplete zinc. We need enough zinc for that sperm f- to make testosterone, but also for that sperm. Um, there's a reaction at fertilization. It's it's the zinc acrosome reaction. So we need enough zinc for that sperm to actually penetrate the egg. And there's actually this beautiful burst of light when that happens. And it's like, you know, incredible experience. Fertilization, life is created. Um, and so and so we need enough zinc. And that can be depleted if we're dealing with heavy metals. Um The other issue for men, and we didn't used to think that this was really a man's issue, we used to think it was just women. So for women, we've known that generations impact us. So our grandmother, our mother was in our grandmother's womb and we were an egg in our mother as a fetus in our grandmother's womb. So we knew that grandma's exposure affected the granddaughter. So if grandma smoked, we know that that increased the granddaughter's risk of PCOS. And there's lots of other stuff that it can cause problems with, too. But what we're also realizing is that with men, what they are exposed to before conception affects that baby's health for the rest of their life. So we're not necessarily changing genes unless we're causing DNA damage with heavy metals, which is a thing. But a lot of these other toxins are altering gene expression, meaning there are these switches on the genes that get flipped on and flipped off, or it's more like like a volume dial. You can turn up the volume or turn down the volume. And a lot of these toxins are turning up the volume on bad genes and turning down the volume on good genes. And those changes get passed down. And so dads have to detoxify. We got to get the plastics out. We got to get the fragrances out. All this like, I don't, is X body spray even a thing anymore? I don't know. But like that was just like a terrible thing for fertility for so long. Um, And a lot of the men's products, like the industry I think is starting to catch up. But there's so many toxic men's like body products these days. Um, but but getting better Um, and so getting these things out of the body so that we can not just have healthy sperm and actually make a baby but so that you are setting up your legacy so that you are setting up your child for the for health for the rest of their life and I wish I could say that you know it's not that big of a deal but honestly everything that mom and dad eat drink breathe touch think and feel three to four months before conception affects that child's health for the rest of their life so no pressure um, yeah. <laughs> but it is a beautiful opportunity to truly, like, create your legacy.
1: Yeah, and then how does the toxin exposure to that egg and that sperm can contribute to, you know, ADHD and behavioral issues in their children, like, years later, years and years after conception?
0: Yeah, and that's through that epigenetic mechanism. So those toxins in mom and dad before conception – and and in mom while she's pregnant, we know like that's a very clear mechanism. But even before she's conceived, it's switching these genes on and off. And so some of these specific toxins, so like phthalates in dad, um, and also phthalates in BPA combined in, in dad before conception, um, have been like in the the research is crazy. Like baby boys specifically, so boys are tend to be more affected by these things than than baby girls. But boys at seven years old had poorer cognitive function and had more behavioral issues. And the behavioral issues was actually in the two to seven age range. That's what they measured. But it was statistically significant that the dads that had had these exposures preconception. Um, and they're also delineating between, you know, they're making sure the child is not having a current exposure because we know that can cause issues. But that's like a very clear correlation and, and connection, whereas they were able to to say with some level of certainty that, when dad was exposed, even if baby was, you know, no longer exposed to these things, but it had affected the genes to a degree or this epigenetic mechanism, that cognitive function and behavior was significantly impacted in these boys and these sons. That's crazy to me. I mean, if we look at how many people have ADHD, if we look at how many people, you know, how the state of our mental health of our children these days, like, I mean, there's a lot in the world that could be causing it, but Toxins are are top of the list, and not just what they're currently being exposed to. What mom and dad and there, I just saw a recent study on um, PBDEs, which are the flame retardants, and um, it was the it was it increased the risk of anxiety in children. So so preconception exposure, actually it was more prenatal exposure, but still, um, you know what mom was exposed to while pregnant. So baby's getting some of it, but there's also some um, epigenetics happening in that that, again, you know, it was my anxiety in my 20s because of, you know, my mom eating McDonald's and being exposed to all sorts of, you know, toxins and in, in food and in plastics and in packaging and things you know when she was pregnant with me who knows i don't know if mcdonald's was using toxins in those days or if i'm going to get in trouble for saying mcdonald's but <laughs> no, um... no no at no. all we're calling
1: everybody out here okay <laughs>
0: yes yeah, so and that another thing that really concerns me
1: is you know children being exposed to endocrine disrupting chemicals in utero and all the health issues that that can cause and maybe even changes in gender identity. It changes in, I mean, if that child is developing, their body and brain is developing and they've got too much stress hormones or they've got uh, way too much estrogen or too low testosterone, you know, it's go- that's going to affect a, a child and, and their brain and their, and their personality,
0: you know. A hundred percent. And we even see physical deformities from that. Like we're seeing changes in penis size, changes in testicle size. We're seeing, um, you know, penile deformities where you can actually have the urethra on not the part of the penis where it's supposed to be. And a lot of these are related to BPA. It's a very, you know, well studied one, but other endocrine disrupting chemicals can have similar effects. We also know these things affect hormone receptors. So it can mimic levels of, you know, even if the testosterone level is not high or low, It can be sending a different signal to the brain about what it should be feeling as far as testosterone, maybe more estrogen than testosterone, so to speak. Maybe testosterone is low, but that the estrogen signaling can essentially go in either direction depending on what's happening, what chemical, what's happening in the body. Um, But I, I definitely think that a lot of the gender dysphoria is related to toxin exposures from birth, from preconception, but also current because there's a lot of current exposures as well. And especially at very particular um, times in our our development, um, both in utero and then in that like first, you know, few months and few years that are really like setting up the blueprint of our, our epigenetics and our hormone receptors and all that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. And I agree with you. I do. I do agree that our the toxins and heavy metals and chemicals that are impacting our hormones are having a huge impact on the gender identity issues that we're, we're seeing today. And so I've never really talked about it on the, sh- on the show because it's, it's very, very controversial, but it's undeniable. It's the, the animal research out there on, you know, uh, the, the children being, men uh, and animals being born with smaller testicles, smaller penis sizes, the, uh, and, and the rates uh, that that has increased. Um, over the last, you know, a few decades, it's it's very concerning, you know, and, um, and so let's talk about then what we can do. So what does a, uh, so clearly women need to be thinking about pre-pregnancy planning and not just nutrition, but detoxification as well. And so let, let's talk about where, where logically we should start with testing. So what kind of testing do you do in your your female or even male population that's looking to conceive?
0: Yeah. So on the toxin side of testing, um, I usually like to start with our, the Clockwise Fertility Wise panel, which has our biological age marker, which is a marker of cellular health, and then has these top three fertility toxins, the BPA, the BPF, um, paraben and parabens, and phthalates. Um, just because we have a ton of research knowing that those impact time to conception, egg quality, uh, and, and outcomes for that matter. Um, and that can be done by anyone anywhere in the United States quick like drop ship to the house. In my practice, I do a bit more extensive testing. So I'll run like a urine panel and look for pesticides, other plasticizers, um, mycotoxins, so for molds, heavy metal exposure, and start with just kind of like this broad spectrum. What are you currently being exposed to picture? And then if I have enough time with a couple, like if they're willing to put in a year of prep, which is ideal, Not everybody wants to do that, but that's the ideal scenario. Then we'll dive deeper into see what's stored in the tissues, specifically what heavy metals are being stored in the tissues. Um, And this is important because when mama gets pregnant, there can be some breakdown of her own tissues in order to supply baby with the nutrients that baby needs. So if there's lead being stored in the bone and baby needs calcium and mom's not quite getting enough calcium, the body might be breaking down a little bit of bone to get calcium to baby. And some of that lead might be liberated and that lead can then cause problems. So in an ideal world, now I haven't seen, and I don't think it's possible to get every single human 100% clean before they conceive. But we wanna do the best we can with the time that we have, with the resources that we have. And and some of these are more dose dependent than others. So um, if I can, I'd I'd like to do a provoked heavy metals test and really kind of like dive in and see what's being stored. And how much can we get out of the body safely in a more of like slow and steady manner in order to make sure mom is as healthy as possible and therefore babies as healthy as possible. Um, and then, yeah, so we said the plastic, plasticizers, pesticides, um, molds, mycotoxins, and heavy metals. Those are like the, the big toxin categories I test for. I also check micronutrient levels. I also check gut health. I also check hormone levels. um. Pretty extensive testing, in, in order to, you know, I mean, you're making a baby. This is like this is your legacy. This is, you know, maybe a once in a lifetime or two or three time in a lifetime situation, and this this child is, is going to be with you for the rest of their life and your life. So, um, you know, it makes sense to put the time and energy and resources into preparing on all levels um, to really set your child up for the best health possible. I'm really
1: excited to announce my heavy docu-series. It's coming out February 14th in 2024. And on this heavy docu-series, it's gonna, you can see it at heavymovie.com. I interview over 100 experts on the topic of how heavy, surprise, how heavy metals and environmental toxins are promoting some of the most chronic health conditions of our time, obesity, resistant weight loss, fatigue and mitochondrial functioning, diabetes even. The number one cause of diabetes is toxins. Yes, yeah, it's so important. And doing all these testing is gives you this wealth of information, not only for conception, but for your own health as well, to figure out what, why do you have these symptoms, this fatigue and, and all the myriad. Uh, number of symptoms that people could have when they're very toxic and kind of help pinpoint what exposures uh, that you're having to eliminate them, identify and eliminate them. And then what about for the men? So do you do any testing preconception for men? And, and
0: uh, you know, can we talk about that a little bit? I do all the same testing for my men. Like both parties are getting, you know, as extensive as possible on hormones, on inflammatory markers, on metabolic nutrients, toxins. Like full-blown, equal. Great, great. And then and what does uh, detoxification look like?
1: So after they get their testing, they pinpoint what they have, uh, what kind of you know, detox do you take men and women through? And what kind of recommendations do you have for them to clean up their environment?
0: Yeah, step one is avoidance. So I like to describe um, like if the body is a bucket and we've got this like toxic soup in it and there's a little hole at the bottom, And that's our like how we're metabolizing, metabolizing and detoxifying toxins. Um, The first step is to stop pouring more stuff in the bucket. And so I have like a home checklist. We go through and we're looking at plastics, fragrances, cleaning products, body care products, um, air quality, water quality, um, you know, every room of the house essentially. Is it helping your fertility or hurting your fertility? Um, You know, and then also like are there work exposures? Are there environmental exposures outside of home and work that we need to worry about? Like sometimes I have people who have hobbies that are full of toxic chemicals, like detailing cars or um, sometimes like making jewelry where they're using a lot of different like metal um, like elements that are oftentimes contaminated with heavy metals. So the other things that we need to think about. So first, the first step is to stop any current exposures. Um, The second step is to support the body's own natural detoxification mechanisms as far as like opening the routes of elimination, opening the drainage pathways, so that when we do start taking things from the tissue and from the cell into the bloodstream, that it can get out quickly and efficiently. Um, So that means are are they sweating properly and often enough? Are they pooping appropriately and often enough? Um, enough hydration, enough urination to support the elimination of toxins? Uh, is the liver and gallbladder making enough bile in order to metabolize and and get these fat-soluble toxins from the bloodstream into the gut to then be bound by enough fiber in the stool to get it out of the body? Because um, if we don't get it out of the body, we're just kind of like recirculating things and most people feel worse. So avoidance is number one. Open up the pipes is number two. And then we can really start mobilizing things from the different storage areas. And and some places are harder to get stuff out of than others. You know, the brain is, it's hard to get mercury out of the brain. So that's usually, I often don't get to the brain with my, with, at least, you know, we don't know where the mercury is coming from oftentimes, but, or where, you know, how how much is coming from which location. I, somebody's going to create a test for that one day, but um You know, essentially we do the best we can. And so then we're using some, maybe some herbs um, and maybe some heavier duty, uh, like grabbers or chelators or things like that. So like alpha lipoic acid is a little bit of a heavier duty, still a nutrient. We're not using, um, you know, like an EDTA necessarily. But there's some different things and depending on what metals we see and depending on how well they're... uh, routes of elimination are open, and and there's also some genetic factors with um, what are called like the CYP um, enzymes in the liver of detoxification, and oftentimes some of these toxins can disrupt um, the detoxification pathways. So there's this balance of like, how do we open up these liver pathways to get this toxin out if it's, you know, slowing it down in the first place? So it can get very specific and nuanced. But everybody starts with avoidance. Everybody starts with opening up those routes of elimination and then and then, figuring out where we need to pull from what we need to pull and how we want to do that in a safe and gentle way so that we're not creating more inflammation, more brain fog, more more issues in the body because that can happen if we're just recirculating things.
1: Then let's talk about a lot of the reproductive health issues that so many women are dealing with today. Like you mentioned PCOS. And there's endometriosis and, and a lot of other roadblocks uh, and diagnoses that thro- really throw a wrench into conception. What role does toxin? Do toxins play in uh, as an underlying root cause in PCOS, and endometriosis, and and other other health reproductive health issues?
0: It's definitely a factor in both and in all um, endometriosis. And and a lot of this is still evolving. Like we're learning continuously. So endometriosis used to be thought as just an estrogen dominance issue. And so toxins would play a role in that as there's a lot of estrogen mimicking toxins in the body that can be causing problems even if their actual estrogen levels look fine. We also know now it's actually more of an autoimmune issue um, and more of an inflammatory and and immune modulation issue. And so we still want to handle the estrogen dominance. We still want to keep out the, those endocrine disrupting estrogen mimicking chemicals, those xenoestrogens. Um, but the, all sorts of chemicals can cause autoimmune disease and and, and through various mechanisms. Um, and so we have to kind of do a deeper dive on the toxin piece. Is it more heavy metals for one person? Is it more mycotoxins for one person? Is it more um, pesticides for one person that's causing their particular manifestation of endometriosis? Um, and with PCOS, I mentioned, you know, that there's a higher incidence of PCOS in women whose grandmothers smoked. And it's not necessarily that we have those toxins still in our bodies, but they've switched genes on and off. So there's this history of toxin exposure that we have to learn how to reset that epigenetics or those those methyl markers, those switches on the DNA, which is one component. And we also have to handle current exposure, which something like BPA, we know, increases your risk of insulin resistance. And insulin plays a huge role in PCOS and how it signals in the ovary. It's also been called, like, um, diabetes of the ovary, essentially. And so making sure we're eliminating some of these, you know, we call it an endocrine disrupting toxin. But part of that endocrine system is the pancreas, which makes insulin, which is part of our hormone system, essentially. Um, And and so we know, you know, so we need to get those endocrine disrupting chemicals out as well. I haven't seen as much heavy metal just in the testing that I've done in my patient base. I haven't seen as much heavy metal specifically playing into some of my PCOS cases, although um, theoretically it absolutely could. Um, I do see more of the 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 plasticizers, the fragrances. Um, Stress plays a huge role for sure. Um, and, And blood sugar balance is a huge component, but there are toxins that impact your ability to manage your own blood sugar. So. Food plays a role, but it, but it's also all these other signals that are coming into the body that, you know, when I when I told my first patient like 10 years ago, not my like very first patient, but 10 years ago, I, I had a patient and he had, um, you know, diabetes and metabolic syndrome. He's like, but I eat perfectly and I exercise and we I'm like, oh, well, let's look at toxins. And his BPA was through the roof and and his big exposure was because he was getting um, like a to go coffee. And so it's in this, you know, it's a paper cup, but it's lined with plastic. And then you have this plastic lid. And granted, it's not not PCOS case, but, you know, diabetes is PCOS of the ovaries, essentially. Um, So he's drinking a hot acidic liquid through a soft plastic lid sitting in a plastic lined cup. Like, of course, he has BPA through the roof because like he it's like he's taking a BPA supplement, essentially, like the most leaching you could possibly have right into your system every morning, possibly every afternoon too for him. So, um, you know, so we forget that a lot of these like typical like metabolic syndrome, hormone, like we're we're looking only specifically at that system. Like, okay, but but toxins are affecting every system. And so if we don't include that toxin picture, we're we're kind of not actually doing our patients, we're doing them a disservice because we're not looking for all the potential causes, and toxins are a huge cause.
1: I love just all those dots you're connecting there because it's so important for people to start planning for conception, detox, doing detoxification, leading up well, well before you're thinking about that, you know, and cleaning, you know, people are paying attention to nutrition and starting to take supplements and things like that, planning for pregnancy. But a detoxification is such an important component. What is the the window where you like to see your patients start to, to detox before they even think about conception?
0: Yeah. So the minimum, minimum, minimum timeframe is three to four months. Um, but realistically, if we have a lot that we need to get out of the body, then we want to start about a year in advance because it takes about three months from the time an egg and a sperm start to develop till when they're released from the you know, to meet. And so the blood flow, the blood that is bathing that egg and that sperm for three months while they're developing plays a huge impact on whether they will be successful in fertilization and whether they will be successful in resulting in a baby, Um, which means we don't necessarily want to be detoxing a month before we're trying to get pregnant because then we're mobilizing toxins from the tissues into the bloodstream and bathing those egg and sperm in toxins, which we don't want to do. So I typically recommend we start a year out we do really good testing to make sure that um, you know we know what we're dealing with as much as we can. And then we do our best to get as much out in the time frame that we have, and then we make sure we are not detoxing three months before we're trying to conceive because we don't want any of those toxins flowing through the body. And at that point, usually, they've been in a, a, avoiding enough toxins for a period of time that we've minimized any new burden, and we've gotten a significant amount out of them. And so oftentimes, Conception happens easily, quickly, um, even if they've been struggling for a long time. But oftentimes I have to tell couples who've been you know, trying for three years, OK, we got to we got to take a year off. And I know that sounds scary because you think your biological clock is ticking, but your biological age is going to be much younger a year from now than if you were trying to get pregnant in, in the next two to three months. And I've seen this like when we test biological age and toxins is a huge component of biological age. This is the age of your cell, how old your DNA is saying you are, not your birthday. And this is more important for conception and for a healthy baby than your chronological age to a point. I mean, menopause is a real thing. At some point, we've ticked. Um, But if you, while the clock is ticking, you can actually use those ticks wisely and rewind the biological age, rewind that cellular age so that you are healthier a year from now. Than you are in this moment, which makes which gives you a better chance of a better outcome. And we see this in the research. So um, you know, even young, younger chronological women who have advanced biological age because of toxins, because of stress, because of all these different factors, um, have poorer outcomes on egg freezing, IVF, et cetera. So they get fewer eggs, fewer viable embryos, a fewer emb- emb- embryos in general, but fewer viable embryos, and and then result, re- resulting in fewer live births. And so taking the time to get the toxins out, taking the time, and, and nutrition is important, but it's not the only thing. Um, and the proper nutrition can actually counteract the damage of some of these toxins, like the right amount of folate and the right form of folate and EGCG from green tea. These two things have been shown to counteract some of the damage from some of these toxins. So Again, nutrition is important, but if we're not handling the cause and getting these toxins out of the body, we're not going to see that that good of a result. And what I've seen in practice is that we have an average of a, a four year age reversal in anywhere from three months to a year, which is a significant difference when, you know, if your cells think so. If you have a 40 year old woman and your cell her cells think she's 36, that's different than if her cells think she's 40 or 44. And so testing. I think it's so important to test biological age as early as possible so you do have time to rewind the clock and to see what toxins are there so you have time to get them out so that you can have a healthy baby on your timeline. And in that case, time is on your side. If you take the time and use those ticks wisely um, to do the right things, and actually you will get a better outcome. So for the women that
1: have been trying, for the couples that have been trying for quite some time doing IVF, uh, maybe they're advancing in, in age, uh, give us, give them some hope as to what they can do, especially if they've just been going to their conventional medical doctor, uh, their conventional fertility clinic. What is all, all the other things that, uh, that they can do and what are the kind of results you're seeing with your patients?
0: Yeah, so, so results-wise, um, I would say I have the best success with my 35 to 40 age range. And I've got over an 80 percent success rate with that age range specifically. Um, It does seem to be a little harder over 40. But again, I don't think it's the age because I've seen women conceive naturally at 46, 47, um, sometimes who were trying, sometimes who weren't, to be quite honest. Um, So there is like a whole you have an entire life of health that has either been helping you or hurting you up to that point. So the healthier you've lived your entire life, you know the the potentially longer you'll you'll be fertile. Um, but we can we can do a lot to rewind the clock. And so I've seen the age reversal on the labs, but I've also seen a lot of really incredible success stories. So my favorite story is, um I had a woman come to me at forty two. She and her husband had done a failed round of IVF at thirty six, failed round of IVF at forty. She came to me at forty two. Um, and had started already making changes, but had, had significantly changed, um, like, nutrition and toxins and and a lot in her life. Stress, all sorts of things. And um, so after working together for a few months, they were like, okay, we're going to do one last round of IVF. And they got nine grade A embryos. So if it was just about age, she I shouldn't have been able to get her any better results than at 40 or definitely not by, at 36. Um, but they had pretty incredible results, and it's because of the work that they put in and taking the time to actually do all of those things, get rid of the toxins. Um, She also did a lot of fasting, which rewinds the cellular age, biological age. So it's definitely possible. Um, And I've had other similar stories. They're probably the most dramatic and most miraculous, but I've had lots of couples who've had three or four failed rounds of IVF and were able to conceive naturally, who had been trying for three years or more um, and were able to conceive naturally or eventually did end up using IVF, but it worked instead of the four times before where it didn't um so there's a lot of hope so much hope and it's unfortunate because in the conventional world they'll tell you like depending on your age okay we'll go try for six months or go try for a year and then we'll do some testing when that's you are actually losing time on your clock if you're just, you know, not changing anything and doing the same thing you've been doing for the next six months to a year. You're you're in a worse situation when it, if you actually think ahead, start ahead, start preventatively and think, OK, well, I want, you know, babies in a year or two years. You actually have this time to improve your chances of success, even if you are a little bit older, let's say. And so there's so much hope Um there is. A paradigm shift from that conventional world but so much is possible with with what we know in the functional medicine world and i have it's not like i'm that special like i have colleagues who are who also have really great success rates in the functional medicine world for fertility who who have you know as a collective we have lots of patients in their 40s conceiving naturally or finally having success with ivf you know even if it's 10 years after they started trying so there is so much so much hope when you find the right approach and when you start as early as possible.
1: And and what kind of diet is ideal for conception? So I know there's a lot of popularity in the vegetarian diet and even the vegan diet now. Um, I mean, in particular, do you find the vegan diet conducive to uh, conceiving a child?
0: I would say there's some individuality, um, but I would say as a whole, more of my couples do better on some animal protein and specifically incorporating some organ meats, whether that's through a supplement or through foods. Um, they're very nutrient-dense. And But I also have couples who've done you know, really well on the vegetarian, vegan side of things. So I think there's some individuality. The thing I think across the board is that quality matters the most. Um, and some people need a little more animal protein and some people need less animal protein because it creates inflammation for them. And, and so, um, and, and the, how do we determine this? Some of it is how you feel when you eat these things. Some of it is what your labs look like. Um, you know, there's different, uh, fatty acid ratios that we can look at. If someone's eating too much meat and their arachidonic acid is really high, okay, maybe you need to be more on the vegetarian side of things. Um, or if someone's really like iron deficient and B12 deficient and we're supplementing and they're taking all these pills, maybe you need to eat a little bit of meat, um, And, and, you know, zinc, our best, um, you know, mineral sources oftentimes are, you know, organs, animals, uh, shellfish, like, you know, oysters for zinc are like the quintessential, you know, uh, source. So I think it's individualized. There is some nuance, um, but more of my patients tend to do better with some animal protein.
1: And then let's talk about hormones, because there, so, there are so many different toxins that negatively impact our hormones, reduction of hormone production, imbalance of hormones. Can you talk a little bit about that and the toxins that impact our hormones?
0: For fertility specifically, men need to have really good testosterone levels in order to help make good sperm. Um, as women, we need good estrogen in order to trigger ovulation. We need good progesterone to help maintain that pregnancy and that uterine lining. Um, and we also need good testosterone to have enough of a libido to actually want to make a baby in the first place. And what we see with a lot of these, um, the toxins, so they can disrupt in a few different places. So they can create inflammation through um, reactive oxygen species or oxidative stress that I describe kind of acts like a fog within the body so that the signal doesn't get through clearly. They can also um, bind to the hormone receptor, and that can either signal it too much or it can block it from signaling at all, but it's basically um, impacting, you know, what our body is trying to make hormone wise, our cells can't hear it. So we're not getting the intended action. And this can cause, oftentimes we see a lot of too high estrogen and that can be because toxins are signaling that there's more estrogen in the system. But we also know that toxins impact metabolism or how we break down these hormones. And so a lot of times um, a toxin load, and again, I'm speaking generally first, can impact how your liver can break down your own estrogen and what pathways it can go down. Because some estrogen metabolism pathways are more ideal and some are much less ideal and can increase cancer risk and things like that. So um, these toxins can impact and they can also impact production. So they can impact production, they can impact signaling, and they can impact metabolism, which can kind of throw... The, the the reproductive system off in all sorts of directions and can cause all sorts of symptoms. Um, I would say the most common issue I see is probably low progesterone, and part of this is toxin related. Part of it is nutrient related. Part of it is stress related. Um, with men with low testosterone, I there's almost always a toxin component. Um, these en- the endocrine disrupting chemicals, a lot of the plastics and fragrances play a huge role in low testosterone, like BPA. Like we, we know that 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 it lowers testosterone um, phthalates as well. Um, and so, you know, they and the toxins also then deplete the nutrients that we need to make healthy hormones. So we so especially with metals, which can affect how much zinc we have, um, we need zinc to make testosterone. We need zinc to help trigger ovulation, to make progesterone. And so th- there's just multiple pathways that these toxins can impact the hormones themselves, but also how we feel. Because I've even seen, um, like a lot of times when I see patients who have good hormone levels or who, who we put on some sort of hormone replacement. So I've had a few patients who, you know, we've done some just bioidentical progesterone because they weren't quite making enough on their own. And they had what what I would call a paradoxical reaction, meaning they should feel really good on this and they feel awful. Um, and so for progesterone specifically, women on bioidentical progesterone should sleep really well should be should be very relaxed it helps like get rid of anxiety it's very this it like happy sleepy relaxed hormone and i've had a few patients where we do this bioidentical progesterone and they have insomnia and anxiety and it's like why is this cre- like there's there's something that's altering the signal in the body um and oftentimes it's a metal sometimes sometimes mold sometimes other things but um Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of rambling a little bit now.
1: No, no, but I think that's that's great. You're talking about how toxins are impacting our hormonal pathways. And you had mentioned at some point we were talking before. You said that this is like so uh, mind blowing that some women go on hormone replacement therapy and they don't feel well on it. It just it's not working for them for whatever reason. They try to adjust the levels. They still just uh, they just feel weird and it can be from toxins. It can be from the, the 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 pathways being blocked or the conversions not working right. Toxins block the conversion of hormone, one hormone to another. DHEA pathways uh, can be impacted. Just lot lots of different things come into play when it comes to toxins impacting our
0: hormones. Yeah. Oh, and the conversion piece as well. So, like especially in men. Um, there are a number of toxins, you know, whether it's PCBs, pesticides, different things that we know increase that conversion of testosterone into estrogen. And there's a lot of men who, you know, go on like estrogen blockers. And really, it's, it's chemical exposure. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I think
1: I, I mean, I went on hormone replacement therapy, I started about six months ago, I just could not be happier. I started. I tested my testosterone levels. It was like two. <laughs> it, I th- I'm in Mexico, so it's a little bit different. I think I was at 20. I forget the exact the, the the numbers, but it's a little bit different measurement in Mexico. But yeah, it was really, really low. When men can be between 500 and 900, and women are supposed to be doing like 1 to 150 or something like that. I was 20. <laughs> it was like nothing. It was just like you know crickets down there. Uh, so I think it's, uh, for me, I'm so happy that I started, I started with the testosterone to check it out. And I was like, Ooh, this is awesome. And also i uh, then from there, I decided to, to do the estrogen and, and progesterone and feel so much better. Just, uh, I can't even tell you because you know, when women have low estrogen, they get brain fogged and forgetful. And not to mention the bone protective benefits of, of estrogen, which is very important to me. And, and I just don't believe that, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, women are think you know, I just want to age naturally. I just don't want, you know, but I think that just because our organs stop production of say our adrenals and our, our ovaries stop production of hormones because they've been just biologically worn out, um, or it's a genetic, you know, time clock. That doesn't mean that you have to live in that state. That doesn't mean that you have to live from 50 to 80 with zero libido or desire to participate in your relationship. It doesn't mean that you have to live with being totally forgetful or all the other kind of negative side effects of having low or imbalanced hormones. You can, you can, and, and they're safe. The hormone replacement therapy is safe. The, that what so many women are concerned about as far as hormone replacement and it you know there was one study that showed that caused cancer in this long-term study that study was retracted so that study that so many women have a hold in the back of their mind that uh, hormone replacement therapy can cause cancer or is harmful no it, it's that study was retracted it's it's not harmful agreed
0: yeah and it matters like what kind of hormones you're using and that they're done, you know, appropriately with the right, you know, you've you've got your progesterone with your estrogen and everything. Um but yeah, like the, the the safety has been proven time and time again now with that and and so yeah, utilize all the tools and feel amazing. One more thought that I um relating back to toxins and testosterone specifically is that one one marker I see in the blood a lot that comes back high is sex hormone binding globulin. And so I don't know if this was tested for you or if your free testosterone was tested, but both for men and women, even if their total testosterone levels look fine, oftentimes I see this sex hormone binding globulin, or SHBG, quite high, and that's binding up all their hormones. And one of the reasons this can be high is from high levels of endocrine disrupting chemicals, because the body sees this as high hormones. We have to bind it up so it doesn't have more of an action than we want it to have, but then that SHBG then starts binding all your own hormones. And that can make you feel like you have no hormones when you actually have great levels or high levels, but you feel like you have none because it's all bound up because the toxins have distracted your system and told it that it needs to make more of this molecule. So it doesn't sound like that was the case for you, but I do see that in in the world, in, in my patient base.
1: Yeah, really interesting. And so just the solution is detoxification or is there any antagonists that you can take for the, the sex binding uh, issues?
0: So the two things I've seen be effective, so obviously we want to like treat the cause and, and toxins can make the SHBG go up and um, and stress can as well. But the two things I've seen be effective are boron to lower that SHBG, like like 6 to 10 milligrams a day. Um, and um, for some patients, ashwagandha works. Uh, and for other patients, uh, tankara works really well um, at about like 1,000 milligrams a day. To help kind of free up more of that free testosterone, and there and there's other like herbs and things too, and oftentimes I'm using blends, but yeah, there are tools to help lower that aside from just handling the toxins. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, that's why
1: boron is in my Ageless AF supplement. <laughs> Amazing, Have a lot of added benefits there. Yes, and so and uh, in, in what kind of results do you see with people going on? Um, hormone replacement therapy do you recommend that for people and it's so anti-aging like what kind of anti-aging benefits do people have
0: we definitely see like, like kind of like you mentioned with the estrogen it's brain protective bone protective heart protective you know we didn't realize how many places we have estrogen receptors um and so soup so you know we can essentially when we have levels maybe we don't want to get our estrogen to when we were 20 but if we can maintain high enough estrogen levels to activate those receptors in the brain. We have, you know, better memory or or we maintain our memory, better focus, better cognitive function overall. Um, We know that um, like progesterone, super helpful for sleep. Sleep is one of the top things we need to do to be able to stay young and, and, and reverse age. Um, because in our deep sleep is where we make growth hormone. And so progesterone is super important for getting us into that good, healthy sleep um, so that we can repair, recover, heal, but then also make more of our own anti-aging hormones. Um, And testosterone, uh, you know, also tissue protective, also great for body composition, great for energy. Um, I often, you know, will use it you know if i can't use estrogen and somebody oftentimes you know testosterone can do some of that job um as far as like bone protection um but you know libido is you know i have a doctor colleague who who likes to say that libido is one of the vital signs um and and i agree like i think it it totally is and should be because you know this is your vitality this is like a, a beautiful part of life. And so testosterone for, for women is really, really great for supporting that. Um, and, and along that same like sexual function line, having enough estrogen, whether it's localized or systemically, supports, um, you know, lubrication. And so if you've got a lot of libido, but you don't have the lubrication, you can have some problems. Um, so you got you want to make sure that you have, you know, the right balance of all the hormones on board so that you can enjoy a nice, healthy, life including sex life for many years to come
1: yes yeah and men also so important i think they're they're to get tested for testosterone levels i think a lot of men are maybe not really thinking about this but there's so many like estrogenic chemicals so many things working against our testosterone levels and uh, is in that barometer is the the morning erection if you're having an issue there or you're just having trouble with me, you know, building muscle in the gym, or you don't have that libido that you used to, you know, may want to go check your testosterone levels, make a big, big difference in in the quality of your life and, and your sex life as
0: well. And mental health. Like I've seen so many patients where like their chief concern is like depression and like apathy. Like they just or like kind of like like they just don't want to do anything like there's they have no motivation to do anything. And I've also had some patients that are a little more on the like um, depressive, but also a little ADHD, which I'm not saying testosterone specific to ADHD, but it's it's amazing when they get the right hormone balance in the body, how well the brain performs. Um, and for men, uh, like a lot of men lose that ambition, motivation, that like drive for life. And testosterone is is the hormone for that. Um, And what what I also find interesting and also kind of bringing in toxins is some men, like the low testosterone can come from a few different areas. So is the body making enough raw ingredients? Is there enough DHEA? Um, Is the brain signaling the testes properly? And are the testes producing properly? And what I see more often than not is that the brain is not signaling properly. I've seen so many men of all sorts of ages come back with a testosterone in the 200s. And the LH, which is the signal from the pituitary to the testes, telling the testes to make testosterone is normal or low normal. When the brain should be screaming at the testes to make more testosterone, but it's not. So the first question I ask is, do you have any history of head injury? Because that we know that can the concussion can cause that. But the other thing that's often not addressed is heavy metals or toxicity that's disrupting that communication between the brain and the testes. And sometimes it is a testicular issue. Sometimes the brain is screaming at the testes and the testes just are not producing. And and then we got to figure out why or we just use testosterone replacement because we're not going to get that back in a 65-year-old man Um, or sometimes even a 45-year-old man. But... It's really interesting to see how much the body can recover on its own. And sometimes it's enough that you don't need the testosterone replacement. And sometimes, you know, age wins. And you do need the testosterone replacement. But you feel amazing enough on it that it you're fine being on it.
1: Yeah, guys, go out there and get your hormones tested. Women, get your hormones tested. I wish I had gotten my hormones tested when I was, say, 45. I'm 51 now. But I wish I would started in those paramenopausal years leading up to menopause because I feel like I just would have had a much better quality of life if I had started testing earlier. I think lifelong I've been super, super low in testosterone, always had trouble, you know, maintaining muscles, all, always had like a low libido, and it's just it always been really frustrating, and it was just low testosterone. That's all. That's all it was, and it's a very easy fix as well. Um, so uh, Catherine, so why don't you tell us uh, a little bit more about your practice, how people can work with you? Can they do telemedicine and and you know, what is your website?
0: Yeah, so um for like standard patient care, um I work through Ten X Health, Ten X Health System. We have um an office in Beverly Hills, beautiful clinic, and I can see patients um virtually. So that's fantastic. And, um, and then also for fertility specifically, uh, clockwise with a Z, because I'm Dr. Z, um, we do have the at-home testing where you can literally order your kit. It comes right to the house. You do l- your little finger prick, and it um, tells you your biological age, your rate of aging, so how fast your cells are aging in that moment, and um, your top fertility toxin exposure currently. So great place to start on the fertility side of things, and then for actual patient care, 10 um, Health. Okay, fantastic. Well, everyone, you heard it from the
1: expert, you know, about uh, fertility options and hormone replacement options as well, or why, you know, the the argument for hormone replacement, so many different toxins affecting conception and our hormones. Um, so thanks for tuning in. I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Uh, you can learn more about me at MyersDetox.com. Join my newsletter. You can also take my heavy metals quiz at heavymetalsquiz.com, and you'll get a free video series after taking that quiz on all your frequently asked questions about uh, toxins and, and how to detox as well. So thanks for tuning in every week. I love bringing experts from around the world to help you kind of figure out that, that missing piece of your your puzzle and your health, wherever wherever you may be lacking in uh, trying to reach your health goals because you deserve to feel good. And I'm just so honored to help you do that every week. But thanks for tuning in. I'm